0: Learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in health care related fields to keep you a beat ahead.
1: So, today, what we would like to do is kind of look back at a couple of recent news stories, but also basic statistics and try to figure out if, for the most part, the common thread in what I would call the mainstream narrative continues to ignore what's obvious and is in front of their face. So with that, I will first uh, talk to Stuart here. um, And he's got some interesting information, especially from a state level um, in Alabama here that again, goes against the prevailing narrative that everything is fine and that a certain injection was the solution to all our problems.
2: Yeah. Thank you, Jordan. Um, I got this data from the from the Funeral Home Association uh, for our state. And we're looking at the number of funerals, obviously, for the year. In Alabama. And in 2017, there were 53,240. 2018, 54,357. So it went up 1,100. And then 2019, 54,109, which went down 250. So basically, before COVID, The years before COVID, we were averaging about 54,000 funerals a year in our state. And then 2020 shows up and we get 64,779, which is an elevation of 10,700 or 800. Okay, so 2020 was just the virus. 2021, what was uh, added? Of course, at the end of 2020, we added these COVID poison shots that do not qualify as vaccine. Anyways, um, in 2021, you remember, we've talked about this a couple of times before, after the first surge of a uh, pandemic where it kills the um, most vulnerable, you would expect there to be a drop in deaths. Um, and so what happens- yeah, So
1: you're going to have a, you know, as people would say, you're going to have a rise And a lot of people, especially at the time in 2020, elderly were dying. But in in how that looks is, and this is kind of a morbid way to look at it, but I mean, if an 80-year-old dies, he can either die this year or he might die next year. Does that make sense? But he's still going to die at some point.
2: Right. And uh, what did we find in 2021? We do not have the 2022 data yet, but uh, the 2021 data shows Sixty-eight thousand eight hundred and ninety-seven deaths. So we had an increase of uh, four thousand one hundred, basically uh, four thousand one hundred out of you know a state of four point seven million. Okay, that's forty-one hundred people's lives and families are all obviously their lives are affected, but their families and loved ones and jobs. And um, all this thing, all these individuals who are dramatically injured, their loss is real. To dismiss them as a statistic is not healthy. And what I was uh, thinking about when I got this and what I would like to do, Jordan, I've sent you a, um, a few articles from the past three years. I went back in the files. What happened um, three years ago this week? What happened two years ago this week? What happened one year ago? And what I just shared with you is something off of an article dated November 21st, 2021. So two years ago, um, there's UK data shows no all-cause mortality benefit for COVID vaccines. Yep. so we knew two years ago the data was clear that these vaccines were not lowering the deaths, and um how these people that have done this to us are getting continuously or continuing to get away with the lies is true evil and uh yeah, um,
1: to to me I think it's it's just continues to be evidence that. Um, medicine is captured, um, and that medicine doesn't care. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, so. Alex,
2: Alex Berenson is the one who was uh, who pointed it out, and it's still we're still at excess mortality. Why? Yep. Because of these poison shots that have been intentionally killing people. There is intent behind these things and to, and to dismiss it as just all oh, we tried and missed we took a uh, swipe at it and missed they've been and that uh testimony a week ago in the um congressional hearing where Tom Rents revealed, and this was the first time I had heard this Tom Rents was in uh appearing before this round table or uh, bunch yeah, of congressmen. uh I think johnson and um there's Bert a lot of people yeah. yeah anyways um and he shared that the US army had given people i think in Fort Riley Kansas i think that's the uh first division's headquarters um experimental covid shots back in 2016 or something it's unbelievable yeah,
1: yeah and there's actually some uh One of the other things that I think is pretty revealing recently was somebody was able to get uh, uh, some documents from the um, JAGs, which are basically the lawyers in the DOD. And uh, they were uh, they understood that this they didn't have any knowledge of of where people were going to get the actual product. So we'll attach this. But, you know, this is from straight from the email question. Any prediction on the future availability of the community labeled vaccine products? I've acknowledged publicly the ASD guidance on interchangeability of the use of the two products under the two December deadline numerous times. However, the only vaccine product available at this time continues to be the EU Pfizer-BioNTech labeled vaccine product. This is a prolific point of friction due to the lack of POTUS, uh, you know, President Waiver. Um and then on two and four October, we scheduled two events with capacity for four hundred doses, and scheduled two hundred and seventy two airmen who had previously responded to a data call indicating intent to comply. Of the two hundred seventy two scheduled, one hundred and seventy eight declined due to the lack of the availability of the community product. So, as much as you heard that, oh no, 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 they they're getting the FDA approved thing. The problem was is even the military couldn't get their hands on this uh, product, which is again. Goes to show you, there's something going
2: on, right? So, or what? And, yeah, and uh, having at the time, I was in the military in the National Guard, and what is tra- several things were tragic, but the JAG officers and the chaplains were instructed not to to be honest with the soldiers. I mean, it's unfathomable to conceive that they did this, but they did. They got away with it. And one of the things that they did they lied to them about was and I know that there's a big air force base here in Montgomery and one of the airmen told me that they demanded the commonerity, and the um and the doctor there said we have it and we are going to give it to you. And they, they gave didn't. him and they didn't have it and they they gave him the regular covid shot anyways. Um, these people I hope they repent because there is a deep dark hole for them. Um called L. Uh this is just so evil. All right. So let's look back over some uh a couple several other uh things that were made uh in the previous years uh of this week. Um I think that uh sadly a week ago I had a follow up with a patient in her 50s. Who had a uh, heart cath because she was having classic anginal chest pain symptoms the previous Friday, and they did a cath and they took out a blood clot, not a uh, stenosis, not plaque. They didn't uh, use the stent to um, to you know push the plaque off to the sides. It was a huge blood clot, and when I texted the uh, her cardiologist, the cardiologist, I said. Uh, how often how I don't think I've ever heard of a blood clot in the l a d the left anterior descending artery of the heart uh how often do you see that and he said very rare uh clearly, there is something going on to all of a sudden cause people to have um clogged up heart arteries arteries, not veins arteries uh that's not the norm, and I asked him to uh, I could help him you know. Given the data, and lo and behold, it was two years ago this week that this ob- this observational study in Circulation, which is a major cardiology uh, journal, that showed that there is uh, the biomarkers uh, that we use that, that can be used to predict uh, heart disease go up after getting these shots. Yeah. And so we this is not surprising to us, and these types of biomarkers would lead to what you were what we saw on that lady of mine uh, patient of mine uh, a week ago. but that was a major, major uh article from a journal like that to be um, revealing the truth.
1: yeah, and and I, you know the funny thing is, is now that the spike protein causes damage in all these areas. Is uh, completely mainstream. The problem is, is that uh, now they have mixed the COVID infection with the vaccine, meaning they just say it's all COVID because again, the vaccine, as uh, we can talk about this article by Michael Sag, November 2020, yeah. the vaccine uh, was uh, didn't do what it's supposed to do. I will so there's a article in JAMA actually from Dr. Sag. About hydroxychloroquine, interestingly enough, I will remind you that he took it when he got COVID, and he admitted to it. But here he is basically stating that there is no efficacy for it. Of course, this has now been disproven too, because there is pretty good evidence that hydroxychloroquine, especially from the French um, uh, Didier Rialt, um, has shown that among his tens of thousands of patients, had an incredible um, signal of efficacy. But. Um, The funny thing about it is his last paragraph here, he says to the clear and unambiguous and compelling lesson from the hydroxychloroquine story for the medical community and the public is that science and politics don't mix. Science, by definition, requires diligence and an honest assessment of findings. Politics, not so much. And then at the end, he says, uh, you know, basically for other potential therapies or interventions for COVID-19 or other diseases, this should not happen. The funny thing is he's right on the precipice. Right. Of being one of the biggest advocates for the vaccine, and the vaccine that he should have at least known—if he didn't know—I mean, I, I, sorry about the ignorance of it—but it wasn't tested for anything that he was promising. Yeah. And so again, and now it has been pushed. <laughs> Who pushed the vaccine? Was it doctors or was it politicians?
2: Politicians, uh, and preacher, Yeah, politicians, preachers, uh, media. Of course, the Trusted News Initi- Initiative. But uh, I'm just looking at the latest from the um, C-19 study and uh, reminding people about Dr. Michael Sag of um, our, um, our former institute. You know, we're alumni of UAB. HCQ for COVID-19, 413 studies from 8,600 scientists, 530,000 patients in 58 countries, Sixty-five percent lower risk for early treatment. Seventy-six percent overall early mortality benefit. It's uh, it is. And again,
1: the other the, the other funny thing would be, I don't know yet if he quoted that article, but I mean this is just on the cusp of the fact. Yeah, he actually did include it. Um, the uh, oh yeah, the
2: Fraudulent this was fraudulent data.
1: So yeah. they just made this data up. So and
2: by November when this came out, when his article from two years from three years ago came out, uh <sighs> he was um that had it had already been removed. It had been retracted. That article was forced to be retracted in in quick order. Yeah, I will say sometimes
1: when you submit things like this it takes a while for them to get to the Does that make sense? It's yeah, not yeah, a
2: yeah, but the whole point is, now let's remind people who Michael Sag is. He is um, he is a well-known um, infectious disease expert at UAB who cut his teeth in the 80s uh, on HIV. HIV. Yeah, and was a big remdesivir proponent and, and tester and, and uh, testing center, and still was during COVID. And in April, he goes up to um, New York to pick up his son and drives back because his son has COVID, and he wants to get him out of the EpiCenter for our country. And he drives back, and he gets COVID, and so he takes hydroxychloroquine, and he gets better. And uh, then he writes an op-ed piece in the state uh, newspaper, and he apologizes for taking it. Now, Jordan, I, how many, maybe hundreds of thousands, thousands, tens of thousands of patients that we've treated in our career. How many times have you ever had a patient have a problem, take a medication, get better, have no side effects, and then mad for taking the medication? Have you ever had that? Never. Never. Yeah. Well, I would say not until, <laughs>
1: <laughs> not until the last year. Right. or I mean like the last three years where all of a sudden uh whether a medicine works or not is a political um,
2: yeah. just political like enterprise, was, yeah, just like he righteously was proclaiming that's right, yeah um but uh that was a that that was one of the early indicators that we are in an, another universe, because we are not dealing with reality these days um the truth is not amongst us. Um then there were there was a uh let's see here, there were several articles. Um Yeah, the other one would be, you know, the
1: prisons proof shots don't protect versus infections. Yeah, yeah. Um so there again, I mean this is so we really started you really started to know this way before it actually if you look at the CDC's emails to themselves, even in January of twenty twenty one, which yes that's probably within six weeks of the rollout, they were seeing breakthrough infections and they didn't really know how to address it. Um, Instead, what they thought was the best thing to do was to, uh, I guess, lie or because you can't necessarily not address it because you're still telling people the opposite. Does that make sense? One thing to, to just, you know, kind of not talk about it's another to say the very opposite in every, um, in every realm.
2: So so this was uh, two years ago in um, November two years ago, looking from July and August of 21, Delta variant, and they showed the um, transmission potential of vaccinated and unvaccinated persons that were infected in federal prisons. The vaccines didn't make a difference. So uh, we have known and they continue to push these shots that have old data old uh platforms in other words um they're going after viruses that are extinct now uh you know the variants they are no longer amongst us and they're giving people these gene altering shots potentially gene altering shots that uh that we are continue not- to actually
1: figure out what's in them
2: yeah that's the other thing i yeah. think um as
1: Kevin McKernan and Buck Hulters has shown, and now confirmed by multiple governing bodies, they have things that weren't actually um, thought were in them. I mean, maybe the manufacturers knew it, but it was not put forth. I mean, it is one thing. And I think that's one of the reasons that I think some of these lawsuits are going to at least see the light of day, uh, because it's one thing to get immunity for a product that you say is, is this, it's another thing to have immunity from a product. Uh, that the person you told about didn't know what was in it. So um, it's a fraudulent product. So anyway, with that, we will be back. Uh, Again, this is Dr. Jordan Vaughn, Dr. Stuart Tankersley with America Out Loud Pulse. Always one beat ahead. The pandemic may be over for some, but
0: millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution. The miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase. The most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. In 2008, people could spend an average of 12 seconds on a task without becoming distracted. Five years later, it was only 8 seconds. The digital age is narrowing our attention span. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing and kills productivity. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. And unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus, concentrate longer, and strengthen recall. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top, shoot it down. Thousands of five-star reviews proves it works. Supercharge your brain and see the difference. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD.
2: Loud Pulse. I'm Dr. Stuart Tankersley with Dr. Jordan Vaughn, and uh, I was a flight surgeon when I was serving in the military, the Army, and the the regulations prevent experimenting before 2020. Prevented us from experimenting on our pilots, who are some of the healthiest. They go through the most rigorous uh, medical certifications in order to maintain their ability to fly. And lo and behold, in twenty twenty came we, as Dr. Teresa Colonel Teresa Long has talked about uh, many times, they threw the rule book out of the window and unfortunately the chicks are coming home to roost. Jordan, what's the latest? Yeah, so this is basically looking at uh there's a
1: there's actually an Australian pilot that was for many years named Captain Murdoch, and he's one of the twelve pilots that refused the uh vaccine um in Australia. And he's basically here kind of analyzing some data that a lot of us probably don't understand what the data is until you look at it through the lens of somebody who understands. Uh, So Murdoch, 60 year old, he lives in Sydney. He uh, flew for Virgin Australia for 20 years. Um, And he basically says somewhere on the international network daily, you will find a plane has been turned back because of a health emergency, either a passenger health emergency or crew health emergency. He said, when pilots put out a Mayday radio call to air traffic control, it is nicknamed a squawk. They use the code 7700 for all Mayday calls, which are reserved for serious incidents like pilot incapacitation or an uncontained fire on board. Few scenarios warrant a Mayday. Passengers and crew must face genuine peril. He says, there's been an unprecedented rise in the numbers of Mayday calls as tracked by a bot that basically, again, everything in the FFA, FAA and international Flight um, is basically publicly available. And basically, he's got something now that basically posts when a pilot squawks 770 anywhere in the world. And he says between 2018 and 2019, the Mayday average was 29.1% of all distress calls. During 2022, Mayday calls increased by 272%. In the first three months of 2023, the increase was 386%. So again, we are talking about um you know the something is going on now again this is pilots like a pilot distress and so a lot of us have heard a lot of these kind of interesting um stories uh, there's been many tragedies really you know from you know pilots that collapsed some that died in the flight i mean five pilot incapacitations in march including a british airways pilot who collapsed and died in cairo egypt not long before he was due to fly um and this is unusual, right, Stuart? Because guess what, yeah. flight surgeons do. Y'all are supposed to make sure, right? Uh, in a lot of ways, not all that y'all do, but a lot of it is what we call readiness. Like pilots are super fit, uh, so why are so many dying or suddenly or collapsing? You got any reason for that, Stuart?
2: Yeah, the only outlier is these awful shots, of course, and everybody knows it, including the um, the pilots. There might be, uh, I think it. When I was flying to Alaska last month for that conference, so I think one of the pilots was, that I spoke to was telling me that there's a uh, move to uh, strike until there's a, a consideration of what these uh, these companies did to their, their employed pilots because of uh, the egregious abuse and overstep by these companies and our government enforcing this poison on them. I mean, they've never, these guys, they walk in the cockpit, and they know that they are going to, uh, the guy next to them is fit, and the guy can do his job. And lo and behold, since these awful shots, that is not a guarantee, and everybody is aware of their co-pilot who has been sh- given one of these shots. Yeah, the other other thing that I, and this is
1: one of the guys locally here, I'm friends with uh, Tommy Hudson, he's a big pilot and big follower of the FAA or pilot rules, but he, he quoted this to me a long time ago. But, you know, even, you know, according to FAA rules, no pilot's allowed to take any type of medicine unless it's been approved. And in general, in use in general, in the population for 12 months and pilots are forbidden to take part in drug trials. Right. Interestingly enough, all covid vaccines were allowed under emergency use authorization. And the final phase of the f- trial finishes in
2: 2024. Yeah. By the way, uh, for an example, I remember that the only two FAA approved antihistamines for allergies, you know, are Allegra and Clarinex, not Claritin, Clarinex. Those are the only two FAA approved antihistamines. I mean, people take Claritin all the time and it doesn't, uh, change, you know, interfere with their cognition, but that's the level of scrutiny that these, um, that is allowed for, that allows for certain things to be acceptable or not. There is an immense amount of scrutiny that goes on into everything that walks into that cockpit. And for them to have done what they've done with these uh, awful poison shots is unforgivable. Yep. And then I, I think the other thing is there
1: was an interesting study that came out. I actually knew some of the people that are involved in it, but uh, it's the Yale study called the Yale Listen Study that... Uh, this came out about a week and a half ago, but it's uh, basically the symptoms associated, chronic symptoms, by the way, after COVID-19 vaccination. And um, fascinatingly enough, I think, first of all, it's surprising to see people study this. Um, and a lot of the people that are involved in studying this are people that they, they themselves uh, had some type of injury, uh, which is seems to be a terrible way for medicine to figure out that there's something going on. That the doctors themselves have to be harmed, it would be as if to to study cancer, all doctors have to get cancer, Um, kind of kind of a crazy thing, but um, you know, it it kind of revealed a lot of uh, abnormalities that aren't just with um, you know most of these patients had at least twenty two symptoms with a ceiling of thirty five, and most of them were pretty debilitating. I mean. Again, I think that's one thing. These aren't necessarily always symptoms that are sending people to the emergency room immediately, but they're symptoms that make it very difficult to live life. And a lot of them can be headaches, you know, numbness, brain fog, neuropathy, tinnitus—all the kind of things that um, uh, are hard on people. And I think that's another thing that, thankfully, uh, these lingering symptoms. Um, you know that they're starting to come out, and hopefully, this demands that people start looking into the fact that these vaccines are not safe and effective. First of all, we know they're not effective, but um, uh, there's pretty good evidence that yeah. they're not safe either.
2: Well, um, and once again, we were viewing throughout this program uh, this week. Uh, where we've been three years ago, two years ago, one year ago, what we knew then, is all of this new? No, it's not new. We've known this from the beginning. They lied about what the study showed it would, would, uh, for these shots would do for us. They lied about that initially and they lied about what they put in them. But, uh, two years ago this week, Daniel Horowitz on the Blaze Media Network, uh, conservative review, He lists this is two years ago, within a year of it rolling out. Uh, Ten places that show the COVID uh, shots have failed miserably. And the first place he looks at is the UK, and he summarizes it with uh, with this. uh, According to the UK government, roughly 82% of the deaths the past three weeks have been among the fully vaccinated. Then in Iceland, Few countries in the Western world did better than Iceland before the mass vaccination. Although the country isn't experiencing too many deaths, as the population appears to be somewhat immune all along, Icelanders have now experienced two larger waves than before. 92% of adults chose to get the shots. And we know what chosen means, right, in this new age. Uh, Third was Singapore. Uh, It blows the myth of the shots perhaps more than any other country. It is one of those Far East countries that, based on a year of data, appeared to be somewhat immune to the virus, especially to critical illness. Yet precisely after nearly every adult in the country was vaccinated, Singapore is now experiencing a wave that blows out any prior wave to the point where the population is now incurring what is the equivalent of 800 deaths per day. In the U.S., Um, Netherlands, the Dutch mistakenly thought that a seasonal low in cases was really due to the vaccines. Well, after achieving an 84% vaccination rate among adults, they have now suffered a 680% increase in cases in the virus in just a month and a half. They set a record in cases per day, as well as a 19.2% positivity rate. Um, then Belgium, and then the Cayman Islands. If you think the surge is an anomaly in Europe, the Cayman Islands are now experiencing their worst surge in, in cases to date. With just 65,000 people, this island nation has very little COVID for the last year and a half. According to Reuters, the country has administered at least 116,000 doses so far. So they avoided COVID altogether, right? Nope. They have one of the highest case rates per capita in the world precisely after they achieve universal vaccination. Then New Mexico. Then Maine. After vaccinating, at least partially, nearly 100% of those over 65, Maine now has as many hospitalizations and more cases as last winter, and it's only mid-November. Remember, Maine not only has a vaccine mandate on workers, but it does not accept religious exemptions. Points for effort are not awarded by this virus to faulty vaccine. And then there's another uh, African uh, country and then Gibraltar. Now, Gibraltar was always an interesting country. It had over 100% uh, uh, vaccination uptake. And 40% at this point in November of 2021, 40% had had a booster. You can't beat a tiny country that is 100% vaxxed and was being careful, quote-unquote, the entire time, right? Well, the Gibraltar data has just advised people to cancel Christmas plans. Its current case rate is over 160 per 100,000, nearly double the rate in the U.S. during its peak winter season. And um, just... Lie after lie after lie after lie after lie, and nobody in the last 60 or 70 years in our country, when things go really wrong, have been held to account. They get promoted. Yeah, it's the better person to cover up
1: the mess is the one that goes... (laughs) Competence, I guess, is your ability to lie or cover things up, so...
2: Or just uh, brazenly look the other way. Um, A year ago this week, uh, there was a eating, there was a a study that showed eating disorders skyrocket during during the pandemic. Once again, in summary, everything our government has advocated has been the wrong course of action. Virtually everything they've advocated for. In uh, November of Uh, uh, in uh, one year ago, spike protein detox versus COVID, uh, they did, or the Epic Times did an article. And Jordan, you were featured in a week, a year ago this week on how to combat protein. How to, yeah, uh, and
1: that's what we're still, we're still, we're still figuring out. I think that's the other thing that's so interesting is that, um, As Pierre always talks about, it's like one of the, I feel like it's, it is one of the most, um, humbling, um, pathologies, because once you think you've got a handle of it, you find out a little bit more about the crazy stuff it can do.
0: Hmm.
1: And so it's, it's, it seems to be in some ways never ending. So I don't know. I feel like every, every day I'm fascinated by something new in terms of how this thing operates.
2: How, how about you, Stuart? Yeah, everything. It's the gift that keeps on giving, unfortunately. And yeah. um, and you just never know. It's, uh, it's almost like it can do more and go further than anything we would have
1: ever thought. And if you supercharge it with um, lipids uh, to be able to bypass all your barriers, um, you're
2: in for a worse time. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I unfortunately this weekend had the, um, experience of watching Auburn lose to New Mexico State and an embarrassment of, a, of an appearance of a football team and, uh, clearly not motivated. And on the way out of the, of the stadium, I was telling my buddy, you know, Alan Green, who is the former athletic director. He he's the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, I know this is kind of an unfair analogy, but these shots—they're the gift that keep on Um, giving—and it's a way that, uh, in ways we never could have imagined. Uh, Yeah, I think. Yeah, it's
1: that's that's what's becoming more and more is that um, again, COVID nineteen itself being man's gift demand as well. it's uh shows the hubris of man to mess around and find out, I guess is what I would say.
2: You really think that at some point a state attorney general would start asking questions and uh start doing their job in protecting the consumers of the state and um and going after these people. They are every so many options, so many areas they can go after these people with, yet they For, just yeah. can't do it. I'd say one of the problems is is that the people
1: advocating for it are, are the state itself. Yeah. So it's much harder, you know, consumer protection. Usually the government is not, not necessarily shielded from it, but it, it's much harder to um, get somebody in for, you know, consumer fraud when it's the government themselves doing the fraud. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, All right. With that, we will be back. Again, this is Dr. Jordan Vaughn, Dr. Stuart Tinkersley with America Out Loud Pulse, always one beat ahead.
0: Nurses Out Loud Talk Radio want to introduce you to ASEA redox cell signaling molecules. It is more than just a wonderful natural product. Redox molecules are native to the human body. Redox molecules enable your body to turn on its inner doctor so your body can heal itself the way it did naturally when you were young. Check out Out americaoutloud.shop, look for ASEA Cell Signaling Molecules Liquid Supplement, and check out Nurse Michelle's recent favorite ASEA product, Renew 28 Revitalizing Redox Gel, because this gel helped get me through some significant muscular pain during my healing process following a recent canoeing accident when I broke my hip. Give it a try for your aches and pains and let nurses out loud hear how your health has improved. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe. Air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R dot com.
1: I'm so confused. I don't know what to do.
0: I'm afraid of going to the hospital.
2: My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work.
0: Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to
1: earn your trust natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification,
2: fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a
1: student at energetichealthinstitute.org. So welcome back. This is Dr. Jordan Vaughn and Dr. Stuart Tankersley with America Out Loud Pulse. For the final segment today, I wanted to go through an investigative piece of journalism that the British Medical Journal put out. It was on November 10th. Um, We will include that in the um, podcast notes. But interestingly enough, what this article looks into is how the VAERS system is working, which is the vaccine adverse event reporting system. And not surprising... Uh, some of the people that are supposed to be involved with, you know, documenting vaccine injuries have found that this is a little less than easy. And okay, I think, uh, so the the piece starts out that says three weeks after receiving a second dose of the COVID vaccine, Robert Sullivan collapsed at home on his treadmill. He's an anesthesiologist in Maryland. who's particularly fit 49-year-old, the week before falling ill, he had happily skied At altitude in Colorado, Sullivan was given a diagnosis of sudden onset pulmonary hypertension, which is generally progressive, can be fatal, and in most cases can't be cured. Condition is rare, especially in middle-aged men. Sullivan decided to file a report in the VAERS system, and the submission process he found to be glitchy and a race against the clock. He basically said the format is cumbersome and it times you out, he tells the BMJ. For his troubles, Sullivan received a confirmation by email and a temporary e-report number. He learned that his doctor's office that a VAERS representative had requested medical records. Then he didn't hear back for a year. So this, again, is kind of the little vignette that starts out the document. But what we're finding is a lot of the people that are using this system, especially doctors that are having adverse events themselves, are finding that what was promised for this system is not up to snuff with what it was um so basically the bmj has uncovered that it's not meeting its own standards the VAERS system was supposed to be friendly responsive and transparent and they are unable to keep pace with the unprecedented number of reports since the rollout of the covid vaccine uh basically um there are science systems over realm reports aren't being followed up and signals are being missed Basically, this uh, reporter went and talked to multiple people, including doctors and other people, about uh, how easy it was to file a vaccine adverse event report. Um, And so, interestingly enough, the VAERS system, which was set up to have this adverse event reporting system, I guess in an era when vaccines were thoroughly tested and the adverse events were a lot lower, uh, they typically received about 60,000 reports each year. Okay. So that was the average. Um, the total number of reports, um, in 2021 was a million. And then another 660,000 have been filed since then. Nearly one in five met the criteria of a serious adverse event. And those are, uh, not good. And more importantly, the, uh, The information that's actually in the report. So, typically, the usefulness of this is for other physicians to find uh, out what is going on and also for the CDC and FDA to have some signals um, of, you know, if there's any signals of any pathological processes or things that are happening with the vaccine. But uh, the detecting signal seems pretty hard to do when the actual um, adverse reporting is not even updatable. So, again, I mean, some of the good examples would be, uh, you know, we actually have had Patrick, Patrick Whelan was on something with me not too long ago, but he's a rheumatologist at UCLA and who in 2022 reported one of his patients, a seven-year-old boy, had cardiac arrest after his COVID vaccination. The patient was intubated. When Whelan filed a VAERS report and he expected a prompt follow-up call from a CDC investigator. He basically said, I assume that since it was a catastrophic event, the safety committee would want to hear about it right away, he says. But to his knowledge, nobody called or requested medical records. In an email sent to Whelan months later, the FDA said it had followed up soon after receiving his report and had made several requests for medical records. The agency added, generally speaking, staff may not reach to providers unless they have specific questions. James Gill was also one of these people as well. So a medical examiner, for instance, a pathologist for 25 years, currently chief medical examiner for the state of Connecticut. In June 2020, he made his first bear's report of his career. It was for a 15-year-old boy who died suddenly days after getting a second jab. What Gill concluded on his on autopsy was stress cardiomyopathy following second dose of the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine. Gill, who has appointments at Yale University and University of Connecticut, can't recall getting any calls from VAERS either. Uh, and he, again, he still only has a temporary e-report number. He published the case in the Archives of Pathology and Laboratory Medicine in February 2022. However, the CDC did respond in the form of a letter to the editor contesting Gill's findings. So that's kind of interesting. So they're actually not interested in what's actually going on, even though he readily, um, readily submits it. But instead, when it's published and given to the public, the c d c actually uh, contacted the editor of the journal to say that those findings were false. yet, again, the c d c had not ever followed up or talked to Gill about his actual autopsy so again that is that is the craziness that we are dealing with right now. so the um, other thing was that a lot of times the fDA uh, and the CDC have two different systems. So the BMJ found the FDA and CDC essentially maintain two separate vares databases, a public facing database containing only initial reports and a private backend system containing all updates and corrections, such as formal diagnosis, recovery, and death. Um, you know, the, basically when a lot of these advocates to say the vares system isn't working met, uh, they basically Hid behind confidentiality to uh, allow <laughs> uh, them to have this excuse for why they don't have an actual um, forward facing uh, system. And this again goes against the fact that a lot of the other systems do actually have a lot of updating going on. Uh, and then lastly, the f- funny thing about a lot of this overwhelming of the system has to do with how many people are even able to, uh, to get through. So a FOIA request seen by the BMJ suggests that Pfizer has around a thousand more full time employees working on vaccine surveillance than the CDC. So again, the CDC, whose job it is, who is really the people that are supposed to be performing safety on the product, have a thousand less people than the company itself, who isn't the one That is more interested in, you know, Pfizer is basically trying to do its fiduciary responsibility and probably its promise, but it has a thousand more employees than the CDC does to do the very thing the CDC needs to do independently. Um, The CDC didn't provide the BMJ with specific numbers, instead stating that its staffing reflects the needs of the office at any given time and can range from several dozens to hundreds, including contractors and individuals reassigned from across the agency. The latest confirmed number of staff as of November 2022 is 70 to 80 full-time equivalent workers. So again, we're having somebody submit a million reports and they have 70 to 80 full-time equivalent workers. Uh, You can go ahead and do the math, but that math is incredibly concerning. So, in comparison, a February 2021 Pfizer analysis of adverse event reports showed that the company had onboarded 600 additional full time employees to handle the volume and plan to employ a total of 1,800. Pfizer didn't respond, obviously, to this. But um, so, again, everyone should kind of read through here and you wonder why, when they say it's safe and effective and that there's not a bunch of reports of issues, uh, you really are being Quite delusional in the fact, because that would uh, your basic background for that would require the ability to record or report, or actually have your report, you know, put in a system when you had one. So again, the BMJ has learned that if in the face of an unprecedented 1.7 million reports since the rollout, again, 1.7 million, seventy eighty people. OK, working in an office, it's kind of hard to divide that up easily, especially when these are quite extensive, probably medical records, getting in reports from doctors. I mean,
2: is, you know, it basically has said that um,
1: that there is, first of all, the CDC has not or the VAERS has not acknowledged a single death link to mRNA vaccines. So that is another thing that is, is quite concerning. The second article that I wanted to run through tonight was an investigation on un, it's at unheard.com, which is kind of a independent uh, journalistic source, but it's called Moderna is Spying on You. And it basically new documents reveal its attempts to control the vaccine debate. So, what's funny here is that Moderna is spending an awful lot of time creating policy and company wide systems, looking at other people and reporting. Uh, news or influence that a person might have that might risk their uh, ability to get the vaccine out there and get, um, and then also go against mandating the vaccine to everyone. Um, so the funny thing was a lot of this, and most importantly, the the article has Djokovic on the front. Is uh, Djokovic. As high risk, they report him as high risk, noting that vaccine opponents are celebrating the tennis champion and that some on social media mockingly point out that Moderna is a U.S. Open sponsor. Other alerts produced by a partnership blending marketing executives with former FBI and Secret Service analysts also cited concerns around drug industry profits as a source of misinformation. So very funny here that again, it goes back to these what I would call agency revolving. Doors. I mean, obviously the FDA and pharma are big, but it's crazy to see a revolving door between (laughs) FBI and Secret Service analyst and a vaccine company, a vaccine company. Again, it is fine for people to do um, what I would call market research, but it's very different to have research that is going to infringe on people's or product's own free speech. Uh, So far from viral deception, much of the content flagged by Moderna as misinformation and a supposed danger to public health was nothing of the sort. It was a legitimate discussion of vaccine related issues. But the Moderna misinformation reports reported here for the first time reveal what the pharmaceutical company is willing to do to shape public discourse around its marquee product and even affect policy making. So, again, this is what is quite creepy that we are having a company. That is basically has a product and is actively trying to get rid of anything negative about it. And the crazy thing is they use a company called the Public Goods Project or PGP. And they say, according to documents we've seen, PGP works closely with social media platforms, government agencies, and news websites to confront the root cause of vaccine hesitancy by rapidly identifying and shutting down misinformation. A network of 45,000 healthcare professionals are given talking points and advice on how to respond when vaccine misinformation goes mainstream, according to an email from Moderna. So basically, Moderna's disinformation arm is perpetuating the discourse wars that have been raging since the early pandemic aimed at shutting down anything that might undermine COVID-19-related policies, including lockdowns and efforts to encourage max vaccination. The crazy thing is this PGP, or public goods project, is made up of multiple public health people, but also has a lot of what I would call CIA or deep state and tech and social media operatives involved. So, again, obviously, the people that they are going after include Elon Musk. Thank God he owns X or Twitter now, but also people like Russell Brand and basically anything that is going to make them look in a bad light. Now, funny thing is, is it's financed. You know, this PGP is financed. It acts like a nonprofit, but it's financed from a donation. Uh, which is the lobby from the biotechnology and innovation organization lobbyists representing Pfizer and Moderna. So again, as much as it might be um, nonprofit, its whole purpose is basically to, um, it is basically to protect the company, protect its product and protect its profit. It has very little interest in doing uh, it has very little interest in actually worrying about true public good. Okay. So lastly, the other crazy thing about this is Moderna's corporate intelligence and marketing team has worked closely with PGP again this year in it's bid to shape the vaccine discourse as take up drops off a cliff. The partnership expanded again in in October with an official training program developed by Moderna, the public goods project alongside the American board of internal medicine, which by the way is, The largest uh, medical board in the nation. I'm an internist. That would be my board. And it's to help healthcare workers identify medical misinformation. The online course called Infodemic Training Program represents an official partnership between biopharma and the non-governmental organization world. But none of PGP's recent work with Moderna is disclosed on its website or in the Infodemic Training Program. So again, this is coming from a world where anytime we publish something or train or talk to somebody, we have to expose all our conflict of interest to those so they will understand that they might be coming from a place where, um, you know, there is some bias. But instead, this company or basically an NGO or 501c3, PGP, doesn't disclose that they have been working on behalf of Moderna to help Moderna tamp down any negative about its product and help its product continue to be profitable, Uh, but instead is now training physicians under the uh, top line of the American Board of Internal Medicine and teaching them how to identify misinformation. The funny thing is, I mean, that seems quite circular because, again, misinformation would be something that uh, is more profit-based, incentive-based than it is real information. So, it seems like PGP is, or public goods project, is participating in its own misinformation in providing the misinformation. Course again, it becomes quite crazy when you think about it. So all that is to say that, um, you know, you know. Lastly, Aaron Kiarde, the bioethicist, writes at the end of this. It's an interesting peek behind the disinformation industry what it actually does. It's about controlling a narrative, controlling the flow of information, controlling how people think about public policy, like the vaccine mandate, and how people think about particular product that a corporation is profiting from. It's deeply disturbing. And with that, I will bid you adieu this week. Again, this is Dr. Jordan Vaughn, Dr. Stuart Tankersley with America Out Loud Pulse, always one beat ahead.